Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and from the Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. The Word of God from the Holy Gospel for this first Sunday after Christmas found in Luke chapter 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. This was God. This is God's word. So there are things as children we don't understand that by the time we reach adulthood, they become very, very clear to us. Those of you who knew my, my grandfather when he was pastor here at Our Redeemer knew he could be, well, he could be a little imposing at times. And as one of his grandkids, that was certainly the case. And one of the things you knew was that you don't disturb his after-service nap on Sundays. Well, the tradition in our family was that on Christmas Day, after the morning service, which was at 10 a.m. every year on Christmas Day, my family, we would always be there on Christmas Eve, and then on Christmas Day again, we would go out to the farm, out in Homestead, to have Christmas dinner with Grandpa and Grandma. You can imagine what kind of mood Grandpa was in after Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day service and then to have a bunch of kids out there making a bunch of noise, which, I mean, we were kids. That's what we did. He wasn't in the friendliest of moods all the time. And I didn't quite understand that. I mean, I probably thought then, uh, kind of like a lot, I've even heard this from people. Why is he so cranky after church? The guy only works like one day a week, Right? Well, I know that better now, but I thought of it yesterday as I came home from after the service and I just felt foul. It's not a good way to be on Christmas Day, is it? I was in a bad mood. And it kind of just lasted throughout the day and I knew it. I could sense it in myself. I was tired. I was worn out. I'm still dragging a little bit this morning. I told Ed Thornton this morning I might accomplish the rare feat of falling asleep during my own sermon. Hopefully it's not that boring. Um, But just, man, I was worn out. And I don't think it was because of the number of services. I've done that before. I think there was just something kind of weighing on me. And I've sensed that a little bit more these past couple pandemic-stricken years. Just being weary. You know, the song, O Holy Night, sings that the weary world rejoices. I was weary, and I wasn't feeling much like rejoicing. And perhaps you can relate to that. I was speaking to a friend recently, catching up with someone, a friend who doesn't live around here. And this friend was telling me how he was just at his wit's end. With just the state of things. And you know, I've heard that. From a lot of people, from all different perspectives too, you know, you know, regardless of your political persuasion or, or you know, you way you think the way you think things ought to be done in our world and in our nation and in our communities right now, regardless, people are just weary, frustrated, 
And I think the one thing we can all agree upon is that we're not real content with the way things are right now. Things ought to be different. We all tend to agree things ought to be done differently, even if we can't agree on what those things ought to be. Perhaps for those of us who are wearied by the world, our patron saint, I know we don't do patron saints in the Lutheran church, but we ought to at least find a little bit of camaraderie in Simeon, in our gospel. An old man who is certainly wearied by the world in which he lived. We read in Luke's gospel he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He wasn't just waiting for himself to be consoled or comforted. He longed for his entire people, his entire nation, to be comforted. Under Roman occupation and Roman rule. And there were, in Israel in that day, as just as there are today, just as many competing ideas about how things ought to be. And as you read through Luke's gospel and the other gospels, you have groups like the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes. These different religious groups, you have the scribes and the, the priests, the ruling religious class. They all have different ideas of what life ought to look like. You had a group called the Zealots who believed in trying to fight and overthrow the Romans in a bloody manner to take back the nation for God. There was no consensus in Israel. And yet here's Simeon. And what does he pray for? That his people would be consoled, comforted. And so St. Luke, and I, I talk a little bit about this on Christmas midnight, about Luke's irony that he uses in his, in his gospel. It was ironic that in a, in a holy, inspired by the Holy Spirit sort of way, that, for example, Mary would say, my soul magnifies the Lord, when at that moment the Lord is in her womb and is tiny. It's kind of neat, isn't it? Or on Christmas night, when the angels appear to the shepherds, and what do they sing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. <laughs> and they, they sing about peace by making a bunch of noise in the middle of the night. It's kind of ironic. And then now Simeon, who wants to see the consolation of Israel. And it says in Luke 2.26 that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He would see the Messiah. But you can also read that another way. It's, you're going to see the Messiah, Simeon, but you're going to be dead when all the stuff the Messiah does comes about. He does see the Lord's Messiah. He does see the comfort the consolation of Israel. In the child brought forth to the temple by Mary and Joseph. Now I have some bad news to share with you. Simeon 
got to see the consolation of Israel. We have no such promise of consolation for this nation. We don't. In fact, one thing we can say with certainty is that heaven and earth will pass away. Jesus himself said it. The the kingdoms of this earth are not eternal kingdoms, and I think we often forget that. And we ought to do well to remember that at this time of year, if we are wearied by the state of the world in which we live, why should we be surprised? Because this world will pass away. This nation will pass away. But there is consolation for Israel. And the good news in the face of that bad news is that Israel endures. You are Israel. The church is Israel. And there is consolation for Israel. There is comfort to be found here in God's holy church where the people of God receive their holy Lord. Simeon received consolation for him and for Israel and responded by singing words that I hope are familiar to you. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. It's one of those songs for which we have a cool Latin name, the Nunc Dimittis. Pretty much every Sunday and every communion service you hear me say after communion, turn to page 199 or maybe page 211 if we're using setting four, and let us sing together the Nunc Dimittis, Latin words that mean now depart. Simeon sang that he could now depart his earthly life in peace. He could enter his rest and await the day of the Lord in peace. Because he had seen the salvation which was not just for Israel, but was a light of revelation for the Gentiles as well. Because in Jesus Christ, even the Gentiles become part of Israel. Even the Gentiles, like you and me, are comforted and consoled that the one who will save us has come into the world. The one who will bear our sins upon a cross has come into the world. And Simeon held that very salvation there, wrapped up in a child right there within his hands. Now somewhere along the way, the church had a really, really good idea. One of the later things that happened, you know, our worship service that we use, where we sing the Nunc Dimittis, or we sing the Song of the Angels, 
from the fields, right? We sing glory to God in the highest, right? The glory in excelsis. We sang it this morning already. We sing a lot of songs, and those aren't just recent innovations. They've developed throughout centuries. We know that one of the first things that the church sang was the Kyrie, Lord, have mercy upon us. As we sang ourselves, Christ, have mercy upon us. Well, somewhere along the way, and it was one of the later things the church did, perhaps in the time of the Reformation, and shortly thereafter, the church would sing Simeon's song. And they would sing it after coming to the table to receive Holy Communion. Because they recognized, just as Simeon held peace and salvation and hope, and comfort, consolation in the child Jesus. So we hold, receive, eat, and drink our consolation in the body and blood of Jesus. So if you're wearied by the world, if you're looking for consolation, that's what you have. That's what I have to offer you. The body and blood of Jesus. That is your consolation. And if it doesn't seem like enough, think of Simeon. Who, who would blame Simeon if knowing that he would see the Lord's Messiah had brought to him a baby? And yet he sang the words we sing ourselves, knowing that God would bring about salvation in that child and that God brings about salvation in the very same Lord Jesus that we receive. Because when you take in your hands and into your mouths the body and blood of Jesus Christ, you are holding and eating and drinking the very same Lord Jesus Christ that Simeon held. Your salvation in him who gave his body and blood. I want to come back for a moment to talking about how we as the church, how we, how, what we do during a time of pandemic. And I've, I've, I've said it, I have two years now, I've been talking about the pandemic on and off a lot of times during, during our services. But one thing I haven't said, and I have talked about it in Bible study, and um, you know, if, I would encourage every one of you, we don't have it this Sunday because it's a really, you know, kind of crazy weekend, but we'll resume next Sunday our Bible study following the service. We do talk about a lot of these things that are wearying us in this world. And we need to talk about them. They're challenging. And I know at times they can be contentious because we do have different viewpoints on them. But it's necessary. You know, politics are not evil. Evil people make politics evil. Politics are nothing more than us talking about how we live together in this world. That's what the word politics literally means. How people in a place together are going to live together. And we try to be respectful 
and talk about different things, but we need those conversations. Well, one of the things that I did talk about a few weeks ago is going back to when the early days of the pandemic, um, actually not the early days, the beginning days, when we had to decide how are we going to respond as a church. And um, we stopped giving Holy Communion. And I had a lot of people, not just here, but community-wide, pat me on the back because we did the parking lot services. And we gathered together out there, and we'd all stay in our cars, and people would drive by and sometimes drive through the parking lot wondering what we're doing. People would, you know, pat me on the back that we did that. Oh, that's so great that you guys continue to do that. And you know what? I failed at that time. That was not a creative innovation. That was a failure. And I, I, I comfort myself by knowing that, hey, all, every other church was doing the same thing. We belonged right here. You may disagree with me on that, but I, I would challenge that you're wrong if you do. I think the word of God would tell us the same thing. What is our consolation when we are gripped with fear? And I know 14 days will flatten the curve off. It'll help a couple weeks without communion. We can set that aside. Except we didn't. We stopped for nearly three months. Coming to receive Christ's body and blood. There's some among us who haven't been back to receive Christ's body and blood since then. When we are gripped with fear, when we are a weary world, where else ought we to be than where our Lord is? Where else ought we to be than holding in our hands and putting into our mouths the very same Lord Jesus that Simeon held for the consolation of Israel? So I ask your forgiveness for having failed in giving you that. I sinned against you. So please forgive me. And I ask you as our congregation to hold me accountable and demand that I never fail in giving you your consolation, your comfort in the face of a weary world. God grant that we would all be like Simeon. Would we be better off dying in this world but having received Christ and having seen our salvation in him than going without it? Thanks be to God. He is merciful. And he gives his son Jesus for the sinner. And that extends all the way up to the pastor, to every person who serves in any role of leadership in the church. We live under the same blood, the same cross as everyone else. And as I'm reminded now, as 
this uh, kind of marathon of three days of services comes to an end, we need the same comfort and consolation that we are called to give. So dear friends in Christ, dear fellow Christians, be comforted and consoled this very morning by coming forward to hold in your hands and place into your mouths your Lord. That is precisely what has been given to us for this very moment. And God grant that nothing would ever keep us from it again. God grant that when it seems as though the world is falling down around us, we would be found here, knowing that we have a merciful Lord who forgives the sinner and holds them fast in his blood and in his salvation given on the cross until the day he comes again. God grant that we would be Simeon's looking for the consolation of Israel. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.